The scripture reading comes from John 3, 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it was with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, let your word manifest itself in our hearts and in our actions. Let your words be spoken this morning. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Like most of you, I don't remember my birth. (laughs) I've been told many stories about it, though. I was told that my father was in the way, that he refused to go to the waiting room. He refused to be removed from the room. He wanted to make sure not only that the child that was born was his from the birth all the way to the cleaning and back again, but he wanted to see. He wanted to be there in that moment, so much, in fact, that the doctor had to nudge him a couple of times so that the doctor could do the work. And my dad's reply was, I'll let you know when it comes. When I came out, though, I was, I'm told that I was hungry, that I was actually eating the fluid. So uh, after I had gotten clean, then it was time to be fed. So... Reading this story, if I had to be born again, and thinking of, as Nicodemus is thinking, I don't think that would be a very pleasurable experience, quite honestly. For no one involved, especially my mom. 
But we understand Nicodemus' confusion. We're told that Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. And that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And what do we know about Pharisees? Think about it. You don't have to respond. But I do want you to think about it in a real way. I'll give you a moment. Are Pharisees the ones that we champion? Are Pharisees the ones that are the protagonists? Or are Pharisees the ones that seem to be a little bit antagonistic toward Jesus? The fact that Nicodemus comes at night. What do do we think about when we think of night? Is it time for partying? Sometimes, right? It's cool. <laughs> Is it cooler in Arizona? I wonder. It's a, <laughs> it, it may be cooler at night. Maybe not as many people see your activities at night. Maybe that's when we become our true selves at night. Given the fact that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, the fact that he comes at night, I don't know, seems a bit ominous. Why can't we do this in a day, Nicodemus? What is your objective? What is your ulterior motive? But we find that Nicodemus doesn't have an insidious motive, but he genuinely seeks to find out about this Jesus. Because as it says in the text, we, we, know, we know you're from God. And that seems kind of like the opposite of the encounters that Jesus has had with the Pharisees, right? They always seem to think that Jesus comes from elsewhere. So the fact that Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, a Pharisee, says, we know about you, Jesus, speaks volumes. We're going to look at that a little bit more later on. But getting more into a bit about the Pharisee, it literally literally means separatist. It means purist. So being a Pharisee wasn't necessarily antagonistic inherently toward the message. It's just that it was something different. Jesus was going about doing God's business differently than what was expected. They had in their minds how to act how to behave, and how everyone else should act and behave. So that when they were confronted with Jesus' new categories of how to live, how to be, how to act toward one another, they felt threatened. Can you imagine being told that how you've been acting isn't the way to best go about living your life? Can you imagine being told that how you've been worshiping, and not only how you've been worshiping, but how you've been teaching others to worship may not be the best way to go about it? Would we, I include myself, would we accept that with, oh, thanks for letting me know? (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Not at all. We will fight tooth and nail to keep, to justify, to validate 
what we've been doing, showing how we've been right, showing where others have done it this way all alone, showing how tradition holds up how we behave and how we act, and how dare you come in last minute telling us how to act. But Nicodemus must be of the different sort because he says, we know you are from God. We know you are from above. We know this. So he comes at night. Maybe he doesn't want his friends to see. Maybe he wants a little bit of privacy, personal Jesus moment. But he comes. Nicodemus does come. Nicodemus doesn't allow what he thinks or what others think to prevent him from going to Jesus, from seeking understanding. When he gets to Jesus and he talks to Jesus, don't you just love it how Jesus doesn't speak straight? How you have to probe a little bit more, how you have to ask a little bit more, how you have to seek just a little bit more. So when Nicodemus asks, basically, how, how can I do, how can I be a follower? How can I show that I'm a follower? Jesus says, you must be born again. And it seems as though Jesus is going to leave it right there. That Jesus isn't going to say anything else. It's only when Nicodemus expresses his ignorance that Jesus then goes further. Born again. Born from above. So we're going to sit here for a minute because there are two camps that I want us to wrestle with a bit. And at the end, I'll tell you which one I lean more toward, but you don't have to. But I will explain why I do. So, born again, think about it. Not literally, obviously, but what is it to be born again? New life? Yes. I like that people are responding. This is awesome. <laughs> All right. You at home, you can participate too. <laughs> Shout at the screens. <laughs> new life. Yes, a new life. Did any of you think of fundamentalist Christianity? Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Anyone think of the revivals and get right, get right church? The tent meetings, get right, get right, church. <laughs> Singing from morning till, <laughs> till dawn of the next day, just going all out, right? Because when people think born again, it's like, ooh, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> I'm a Christian, yes, but I believe that service can be an hour. <laughs> And a sermon can be under 20 minutes. <laughs> we'll test that theory today. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, born again, right? It's, kind of, it's like this pejorative. You know, people don't, not now. No, no, not a born again Christian. I'm a Presbyterian, thank you very much. PCUSA. 
PC USA all day. But with baptism, the two camps. So with born again, it's referring to baptism, born of the water, right? Water, baptism, and the spirit. So when Nicodemus hears this, maybe he's thinking about John the Baptist. Because the Pharisees were really rejecting this whole baptism thing. Jesus, we need some help. Because we want to be right with God. We do. That's why we're separating ourselves from sin. Like we have that whole ceremonial aspect going on. That's, you know, we're good. We're, We're cleaning ourselves and we're making sure everyone else does the same. But what's with the baptism? What is with that? So I'm going to stick with this baptism, just baptism, water, the one that John the Baptist does, which is a baptism of what? Do you remember? I hear some Ph.D. in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Repentance, the baptism of repentance. And then once we repent, it said that the Holy Spirit will fall upon us, right? Am I I preaching the gospel? I I want to make sure that I'm not going sideways. All right. So with the baptism, we have this new birth. It occurs when a human being is moved to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. By, how do we believe? Is it by our own volition? It's because one day we said, you know what? I was enjoying sin too much. I'm going to give up that life. Amen. No. No. Left to our own devices, most likely we would still be doing the things that we used to do, but we're getting older, so we can't still do the things that we used to do. No. We are driven by the Spirit of God through the Christian message. So hearing the gospel, we then open up ourselves, and then the Spirit of God guides us, leads us, and then we say, okay, we agree, Lord, with you. So that's, the, that's our action, right? We're saying we agree. And then by outward profession of this or confession, what do we do? What happens? As a Christian, what do we all normally do when we say we believe? It's one of the sacraments. Baptism. Yes. Water and the Spirit baptism but this describes a believer's baptism right because then the person gets to say i believe now we've said well at least i've said that i'm a presbyterian so we we baptize infants do we not yeah we do (laughs) yes we do we baptize infants and the reasoning, I'll even go to our book of order, G-1.0301. The meaning of membership and baptism. In Jesus Christ, God calls people to faith, so that checks, and to membership in the church, check, the body of Christ, okay. Baptism, here it is, is the visible sign of that call and claim on a human life and of entrance into the membership of church. Here we go. The baptism of children witnesses to the truth that God's love claims people before they are able to respond in faith. 
So that's why we baptize infants, because we understand that God calls us before we even know whose voice we're hearing. We baptize babies because we understand that God's grace and God's grace alone is why we are here. That it is not of our own choosing, and this can be confusing because we think that we do all the choosing. (laughs) But it's God that calls us, and we simply say, hello? Yes. God continues to call us, and we go, okay. Because have you ever said no to God? I have. And I've ended up saying yes because there was no other way to go. And I got to the point when I said, God, your way and your way alone. And God says, well, thank you. Thank you for realizing that. Now follow me. But God was doing the calling. God was doing the choosing. I was doing the acknowledging. I equate it to when you have someone in your family who decides to cut off, whatever reason, just dis- completely disowned. No phone calls, no birthday cards, no nothing, no text, tick, nothing. You get nothing. The family member is gone. Do they stop being your flesh and blood? <laughs> no. <laughs> Seems like people have experience. <laughs> No, they don't stop being your flesh and blood just because they don't acknowledge you. All the history, all the memories don't just fade away and disappear just because you decided you want to change your name and become a a new creature apart from this family. Just because you decided you want a new family, that doesn't mean that we don't have a relationship. So that is my example to when God calls us. Just because we don't acknowledge it doesn't mean that we aren't God's. All right. So that's the one understanding of born again. We have the water, baptism, no, just water, the spirit. There's this other one that I like, and I like because it seeks to keep the Trinity together. It's not saying that water as water alone as a natural element isn't special when God is in the place. But what it does is it brings another understanding and being true to John, what John seeks to do with Jesus. And that's to show that Jesus is the living water. So that when we hear born again and being born of the spirit and born of water, it's bringing that Trinity together. Jesus, I am the living water. So if you want to be in this, if you want to be part of the kingdom, you need to come to me. It is through me that you get to the kingdom. It is through me that you become children of God. It is through me. The Holy Spirit, God the Creator. So it's still a baptism, but it's changing the category, as Jesus loves to do, of what the water is. Come to me and you shall thirst no more. The living water, the God of life. So we have these new categories of thought, right? It's not just water, 
is not just being born again. But then there's another one too. My kingdom. If you want to be, if you want to enter the kingdom, this is verse 5. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Hello, Jesus. And the spirit. But then the kingdom of God in John means something different than it does in other gospels. And it means something different than it does in other epistles. So when we hear the kingdom of God, it isn't just this place where we will reside at the end of days. The kingdom of God for John is relationship. When we jump down, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. What does God do? That God sends Jesus down. For what? So that we may have everlasting life. So the whole point, what we find out is that the whole point of being born again, the whole point of this is to have a relationship with God. That God wants a relationship. That God wants to show us the love by having a relationship with us. That's it. I've, I've said before, for me, the Bible is a love story. From beginning to end, it's a love story. It's about how God loves us and the great depths that God has gone through to show that God loves us. And yet we reject that love time and time again. But God still loves us so much that God came down in the person of Jesus. So much that God stayed in the manifestation of the Spirit. Because God wants a relationship with us. So what, right? Do we think so what? Yeah, I know this already. Big deal. What do I do with this? Well, what does Nicodemus do with this? Nicodemus, Nicodemus whose categories were changed. Nicodemus who came at night. Nicodemus who was told, eh, kind of, you're close. You're oh so close. What do we do in our lives when we are oh so close? I want to bring this to, to right now. And I'm going to forewarn you, you may not be comfortable, but I'm going to say it anyway. So there are some categories, right? One category that comes to mind is canceled. Are you familiar with canceled? You have a subscription to Netflix and you cancel it, but then you see it on your statement. And you think, I canceled this. Canceled. Have any of you heard it used differently? Oh, cancel culture. Oh, somebody's staying up with their pop culture? Yes, the cancel culture. Essentially, for those of us who are unaware, if you don't act a certain way, mostly public figures, we haven't canceled anyone in the church yet, although... Get ready, get ready, get ready. No. Uh, so in the popular culture, if a public figure isn't acting in a certain way that the public deems 
correct. That person may be canceled. We don't follow you. We don't read you. We don't want to hear from you. There's no apology. Keep it. Now, the thing is, that's how it's kind of mutated in a sense, because originally it meant to point out an area where someone was wrong. And then if the person corrected it, then you receive them again. But it's kind of become this one strike, you're out. You're canceled. Sorry. And move on. Right? Different understanding of cancel. In the church, we kind of have that. Right? If someone isn't acting in a certain way, we're to go to that person and to say, maybe this isn't the best way to go about it. If that person doesn't receive it, you bring another person along. If that person doesn't receive it, then you allow that person to go through the double doors. But with the understanding that if that person should want to seek reconciliation, they can do that, right? So in a way, we have a cancel culture, but it's not we are writing you off. Changing categories. There's another category. There's another one I like. Maybe you're familiar with the term woke. Have you heard woke? What do we, past tense of wake? (laughs) Wake, emergence or cause to emerge from a state of sleep, to stop sleeping, become alert to or aware of, cause something to stir or come to life, a wake, to hold a vigil if someone has died. But in our culture now, To be woke, in a sense, is like to be awake or to emerge. But it means to, in this context, alert to injustice in society, especially white racism. So when we say a person is woke, it's not meant to be a pejorative. It's not meant to be derogatory. It means that the person is aware that there are injustices that are going on and they're seeking to speak toward that. It's a changing and shifting of categories. Changing and shifting of categories. Just like when we say to be born in spirit, because I know you guys are wondering, like, what? I'm I'm not seeing this connection here. Let me help you out. When we are called to the body of Christ, We are called to follow Christ. What Christ did, does, showed is that we are not to ignore the categories that God is changing in our lives. We may be uncomfortable. We may not like it. It may not be what we are used to. It may not be how we grew up. It may not even be how we were teaching others to do. But when God calls us, when God shows us God's love through grace, God is calling us to rethink our categories. But we don't have to go it alone because we have the Spirit. Remember, we have Jesus, but we have the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these, there is no law. 
So when we're asked to be born again, now we know what it means. Amen.